Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're talking about the size of your house. If you listen to this show, you probably already know that my husband and I downsized by about a thousand square feet in January of 2019. It was tough, and we're still getting used to our new home. Steve Adcock wrote this article that I'm going to post um, a link to in the show notes. He wrote it a few years ago, and my guest host and I are going to discuss how big your home really needs to be. One thing that I know is that our homes are our castles. So if you have ever been told that you need to downsize, or if you have ever considered downsizing, then you're going to love this episode. Today's co-host, Kathy Gottberg, has been on the show before. In fact, her show on right-sizing was our most popular episode in 2018, when she agreed to co-host our episodes, actually four of our episodes with me, I was ecstatic. I couldn't be happier. Kathy has a very popular blog that you should check out. It's called Smart Living 365, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Now, as I mentioned, this is the first of a series of four episodes. Next week, we'll be talking about whether you need a second home. I'll bring Kathy on in a moment, but before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you are signing up for Medicare for the very first time, you already probably know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free, and it will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. You can get it for free at medicarequick.com slash checklist. Best yet, I'm the founder of Medicare Quick, and I love helping people with their Medicare. So stop the recording right now and go to medicarequick.com slash checklist. And when you're done, come back and listen to my co-host, Kathy Gottberg, and I. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Kathy Gottberg. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show again. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun last time. Yes, we did have a good time. And thank you so much for inviting me back. I'm happy to be here. Of course, this is going to be great. So you you came up with this article on the two, you know, the 2000 square foot house. And I'm going to link to Steve Adcock's article in the show notes. So what did you think about this? Well, I actually, and it might be helpful for me to kind of give a little background in myself for myself. I actually have a background in real estate. My husband and I both have, and we've been in real estate for a very long time. Uh, But I learned fairly quickly that I was a much better writer than I was a salesperson. (laughs) Um, So I started writing about real estate um, and actually created a small business out of my writing, freelancing for real estate and that sort of thing. So real estate is very dear and dear to my heart. Although my blog doesn't focus on real estate, it pops up over and over again. And from my first episode, for those people who are unfamiliar with it, we talked about, the, like you said, the right sizing. And to me, the size of our house 
house is critically important when you right size. And again, the reason I call it right sizing rather than downsizing is because I think it's all very individual. So it's right for you might not be right for me. And also right sizing isn't a sacrifice. It's instead of a downgrade, it's an upgrade. Um, so the size of your house, if you really want to right size, and a lot of times it does become a downsize because most of us buy a bigger house or hang on to a bigger house, far bigger house than we need. Kathy, I have to tell you, I have to interrupt, sorry. You know me, I just, I just cut right in. My husband and I, it was just the two of us. We never right. had any kids and we had 3,500 square feet. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? And the crazy thing is, is that he had come from a 5,000 square foot home and oh, wow. I had come from a 2,000 square foot home and, you know, I was like, there's no way we need that much room. And First, we were looking at 2,500 square feet to try to compromise between the two sizes of homes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he just couldn't imagine himself in a smaller home. I mean, yes, going from 5,000 to 3,500 is a big drop, but... I never thought I always I mean, the house was a great house for us because I had a I don't know if you remember, I had a big squawky bird at the time when our mm -hmm. last episode was. I don't know if you right. started screaming during your episode, but <laughs> so we we the, having the room was nice because um he had his own room. But right. without that and and you know there there were just so many rooms that we never used. Just like the article said, there were just so right. so many rooms. And then when we moved to this house, I really wanted something a lot smaller. But my husband, mm -hmm. every house we looked at, you know, he didn't want anything that was less than, I don't know, I think it was 2,500 square feet. Mm -hmm. And um, they had listed this house at 2,700 square feet. Now, I am no longer in California. The laws are different here. This house that we're in is not 2,700 square feet. It's 2,400 square feet, but they included the 300 square foot outdoor room. Which, mm -hmm. which does not have air conditioning. It doesn't have real windows. It has, I call them saran wrap windows. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not legal in California, is it, to include a room that, that isn't really a room, right? Right. It, 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 but it's very common in other states to include the stair, a square footage for patios and things like, uh, like your porch, it sounds like. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, no. But anyway, yeah. so now he's... He's we're in a 2,400 square foot, which is still after reading this article, I'm like, well, it's still probably pretty big for mm -hmm. two people. It is a big adjustment, though, especially coming from such a larger square footage. But I, that's one reason why I thought this article was very fascinating. And for the benefit of people who are just listening to this without the, the link, um, the benefit of it says that the vast majority of us live in a, a tiny uh, percentage of our actual square footage. And I thought, I mean, I know in my own house, most of the time, if people come over, we hang out in the kitchen or dining room, right? Yeah. Well, I don't even hang out in the dining room. We we hang out in the, um, the I call it the breakfast room, <laughs> the uh -huh. breakfast area. 
Right, right. You know, so I mean, it's usually small. Uh, we have a great room. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a common thing right now. So we have a great room where our kitchen, our dining room, and our family room or living room are all together. So it's like to us, it's perfect because if people come over, everybody hangs out there anyway. And that's where we hang out, except, you know, when you use your bedroom and you go to your bedroom. Or the bathroom. I thought that was kind of interesting. They did use the bathroom a little bit. But it's the guest rooms, all those extra rooms. And anything formal gets very seldom used. Um, So that's where so much of the square footage of a house goes to all those things that aren't being used. And I thought the article pointed that out very well. I did, too. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that in my old house, we had a parlor and a formal dining room Mm -hmm. and like a breakfast area. Um, right. I think we used the formal dining room three times in the whole 10 years that we lived there. Mm-hmm. And I never, <laughs> I never used the parlor. My husband would go in there sometimes to play the piano, but mm-hmm. I mean, never that, that room never got used. So that was probably, I don't know, 600 square feet right there that we never used. Right. You right. Know. And, and I, I thought it was really um, important how he pointed out Uh, several of the big reasons why we buy bigger houses than we actually need. It's actually a habit um, to when, like when you, when you started looking, you think in your mind, Oh, I need as much space as I've always had. And I think that's very common for us to think, uh, you know, if you look at what, what, if, you know, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You're so used to looking at what you're have become comfortable with. You don't think of, Oh, maybe I really don't need that all that much space. Maybe I should be looking at homes that are smaller than I'm accustomed to. Cause that started out with us. I mean, we started out, we, we didn't, we didn't have a, as big a house as you, we had like a 2,400 square foot house and we ended up buying a 1,400 square foot house. So we dropped a thousand off too. And I didn't think there was any way in the world I could live in a 1,400 square foot house. And now I can't imagine living in anything bigger because it suits us so much. We've definitely right sized into it. So I think we get so accustomed to buying something at least as big as what we've had or bigger because in our society, bigger is usually better. Which is crazy because certainly it's it's certainly not green. Well, I wanted to tell you that I met somebody the other day. So we, we walk every day, mm-hmm. usually a couple of times. And we ran into this delightful woman. Her name is Joanne. And she lives where I live on a part-time basis, and the rest of the time she lives in Mexico. But she travels a lot. And uh-huh. she lives in one of the villas here. And uh-huh. so, you know, because Les and I, we do have a guest room. So we have a guest room. We have his office. We have my office, which I absolutely need. So I'm in, I'm in my office every day. And when we were in the old house, we shared a huge loft. And I had a file room for my Medicare files, and then I had part of the loft with my husband for my office. Or, Well, I mean, it was both my office, but I had a separate file room. Here, I'm, I am, I have to admit, I am a little cramped in my office space. But we have this whole guest room. And just like you said, people have these guest rooms that, that they never use. Well, this woman, Joanne... We stopped and talked with her for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And she moved into a villa, which which is like a condo. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you would call it a townhouse. And she was telling us how her, she, it's two bedroom. And I think it, it might be two bathrooms. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's two bedrooms. 
And she told me how her sister and the sister's three kids were coming to visit her for three days. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how are they going to manage that? Mm-hmm. And she said, it's fine. Her sister takes the room and the three kids sleep on the floor in sleeping bags. And right. you know what? That's what we did when I was a kid. We we went right. over to someone's house and they either, when we were small, they would stack us up on one bed sideways and there'd be like four mm-hmm. of us in one bed. <laughs> right, right. You know, and why... Like, why does everybody need their own room? When I was um, a young girl, my sister and I shared a room. Oh, for sure. No, and and the article makes reference to that. Forty years ago, that uh, the size of houses were dramatically different. And in Europe, if you travel, you know, um, houses are much much smaller than the U.S. Now there is a um, there is a reason for that. Um, that's pretty obvious from my perspective, from a real estate perspective, is builders make more money when they sell you a bigger house. So they have no, they, when they're doing a development, you're going there, you know, they're, um, chances are you live in a development. I do too. When they go into um, map out a development, they want to squeeze as many houses as they can on the, uh, the lots that they can um, get. And the bigger the house, the more they sell for, because, you know, most houses sell for price per square foot. That's right. So they they are very invested in trying to get you to want a bigger house because they make more money at it. I mean, it's a lot easier to be, build one big house and make money than it is to build five houses that are smaller uh, with, you know, um, combined square footage. So, again, the marketplace is driving. It's it's one of those things. It's like if you wonder how overconsumption happens, it's because, you know, people ha- make a lot more money when they sell you more stuff and they sell you a bigger house. And before you know it, you're like, well, of course I need a bigger house because my neighbors have a bigger house and I, of course I have to have one. And and it's a, kind of a vicious cycle. And mm-hmm. at some point, yeah. I want to talk about this because okay. this kind of just happened to me. You know, I just went on a girl's trip with three of my friends and I have to admit that, so one of my friends just went, you know, we, we all went up into the mountains. We were at Lake, uh, we, you know, we were all together at Lake Loon, which is in North Carolina. And one of the girls went ahead and drove home. Well, I've already seen her house and it is just gorgeous. Well, I don't know if I've seen her new house, but I saw her old house, which was humongous and gorgeous. And then the, um, the other friend drove me and the other one home. Well, she dropped off the one gal first and her house is spectacular. I mean, I don't know how many square feet it is, probably four or 5,000. I mean, it looks like a mansion from the outside. And you know, then the other girlfriend drove me to her house and her house wasn't as spectacular, but still gorgeous and still huge. And I have to admit that I started feeling kind of small, you know, because I started Mm -hmm. comparing myself to those three friends homes and what what my home is, which is a gorgeous home. (laughs) It's it's a Mm -hmm. beautiful home. You know, I live in a Del Webb community. Right. And the Dell Web community that I live in was started being built 23 years ago. And I do understand what you're saying about the builders cramming uh, everything together because Dell Web sold the community and he sold it to a um, 
uh, Pulte, which is a builder. Right. And from the old, you can see the difference between the homes that were built 20, 23, 24 years ago. Not the size, because those homes are probably, they are smaller than what we have, but the lots are much bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our houses are crammed together uh, in the area where I live, where, that, where it's still being built. Right. So the houses are getting bigger and the lots are getting smaller, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, because, of course, I mean, building costs are going up, so they're going to maximize their profits and, you know, do whatever they can. So that's very normal. But getting back to the other idea, it's like the, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, the reason that's become such a cliche is because it's so very true. It's so um, it's it's difficult to just say, wait, stop. I, you know, I admire that. That's beautiful. They have beautiful homes. I mean, I live in the Palm Springs area of Southern California, and believe me, there's gorgeous homes, huge, huge, gorgeous homes. Um, and but it's a different lifestyle. So at some point, you just have to say, okay, does that lifestyle serve me? And a lot of it's economic. Um, when we made the decision to right size, it was one of the best economical things we could have done for our own um, our own family. I mean, my husband and I are like you, we have no children. Uh, we're not looking for our children to be able to support us <laughs> because there <laughs> are none. And, and we've always been self-employed, so we've never had pensions or, or um, things like that that we could fall back on. And we certainly don't want to rely on Social Security. So we wanted to be able to live a very comfortable and happy lifestyle. But we knew we were going to have to um, have our own savings and, and do that. And right-sizing helped us do that. So if we're, I, I see so many people still spending everything they have to maintain a lifestyle that over the long haul, if they do retire, then they're going to wonder how they, they, can't, they won't be able to afford to keep that lifestyle up. And what I've done is, is or what my husband and I have both done, is we've just kind of gotten rid of all the uh, superfluous stuff and instead focused on the things that really matter. We travel a lot. And people are always saying, how can you afford to travel? It's because we're not spending a gazillion dollars on our house. I know. Isn't that crazy? Now, do you have, do you have a guest room? Yeah. Well, (laughs) we have a three better home Mm -hmm. and I have my office because as a writer, I'm like you, I want my own space and my own writing place. Um, And my husband, who is a commercial real estate broker, he has an office offsite, um, but he has an office in the house. And so what we did is we put him in the spare room with a Murphy bed. Oh, perfect. Um, because when you really think of how many times you have guests, I mean, if I think if people were honest with themselves and got out the calendar and said, how many times last year did you really have guests and do you really need to devote an entire room just sitting empty? You know, to- I did that when, after I read, yeah, after I read this article. So the author said that he calculates it's 5%, right? Mm-hmm. And so I calculated because I moved here in January and we've had two guests and I calculated the number of days from January until now. Mm-hmm. And we used the house 6% for guests. <laughs> so the mm-hmm. question is, do you want to spend 100% of the money for something you use 6% of the time? Yes. You know, like yeah, like we could get rid of that room and just buy people a hotel room. For a exactly. Because <laughs> there's a hotel almost on the property where I live. Like it's it's literally people could stay in the hotel and meet us for breakfast and hang out all day. And it would be a lot and, cheaper. 
And part of part of me says, well, yeah, but it's so nice if they stay with us. But I don't know about you, but after a few days, if people are staying with you, I wish I'd put them in a hotel room. <laughs> 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 it's like, but you have to think that through. And I think, unfortunately, um, when we get caught up in in kind of uh, let's call it the consumer society where we want more and bigger, if we get caught up in that where we're trying to keep up with our neighbors or our friends or things like that, it's so it becomes unconscious. We end up spending money that we don't necessarily mean to spend. And and another huge benefit for me was when we downsized, we used the money, the equity in our house, and we paid off our home. And so it's free and clear. And honestly, that was one of the best things. I would ha- rather have a tiny house. And our house, like I said, is 1,400 square foot. So it's, it doesn't, it's not really a tiny house. No, that's a perfectly good size for two people. Exactly. <laughs> I would rather have that size than, th- than two or three times more and have a mortgage on it that you constantly have to keep paying on because there's, there's been something, I don't know if your house is free and clear, but when you get a free and clear house, the freedom um, that gives you, especially, okay, I'm older than you. I'm 64. My husband just turned 65. So, uh, I mean, we have to start thinking about this now with the solar we have on our house with all the, um, I mean, we have very energy efficient um, things in our entire house. We can live in our house with our taxes and our insurance and our utilities for less than 300 a month. Oh my goodness. Well, see, there's nowhere in the world we could live cheaper than that. You know, people are always saying, oh, let's go to other countries and buy a place because it's less expensive. No, we can't live anywhere cheaper than where we live now. So, so our um, HOA fees are 285 a month. So no, we, we are, we moved from a more expensive area and now we're spending more money than you are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, and that, that's something too. Now that brings up a really, in, I, I'm envious of people that have the amenities that you have. There's a sun city in our area too, and it's gorgeous and they have amazing amenities, but honestly you pay for them and you just have to decide if that's worth that because you'll never, um, you'll never be able to eliminate them. And chances are they will grow up. uh, They will get more. Yeah. I have to tell you that we moved here for the amenities. That's the whole reason Mm -hmm. Um, we do less and I have a four part series on our search for our mm-hmm. home. We're going to do another series, I'm not sure when, about what it's like now, now that we're settled uh, in and everything. Good. One of the things that I kind of didn't realize, because my parents live in the villages in Florida. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with the villages? I heard about them. Yes, actually. They're, they they have amazing amenities for sure. Well, they have 130,000 people that live there. I mean, the villages... It's a is, city. Yeah, yeah. It's right. Now, I live... It's kind of like a town, but where they live, it's a huge city. And um, they have free things to do. Where I live, they have a lot of things, but everything costs money. So, oh. so they don't have any free... Like in the villages... Every week, my, my stepmother says every day, there's a, um, a concert outside that you can go to and dance and it's free. Wow. And I don't have that where I live. When I go to a concert, it's 20, 30 bucks. So they have things here. They have great amenities. They have over a hundred clubs and that's why we moved here and I've met a ton of people, but you have to pay for everything. So people think I'm kind of cheap because I... I'm like, well, how much is that? You know, I I always add that up in my head. Like um, Mm -hmm. I can go to the gym for free, but if I take a class, it's five bucks. 
Right. So I'm thinking if I take a class every day, that's $35 a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot. And honestly, I could afford it, but I don't want to. I don't want right. to pay $35 a week. <laughs> you know? Well, and let's face it. I think it's very smart to be paying attention to how much all that stuff costs. Because like I said earlier, we know so many people who are in either in debt or just hanging on. Um, and, and what's the same? I, I mean, I read recently that 45% of baby boomers have zero savings. So what happens if there's an emergency? And, you know, let's face it, stuff happens to all of us. So it's best to be prepared. You can't, I, I don't believe in spending everything I make. You know, I'm the same way. And I know this isn't a money show. Right. I know. <laughs> you know, I'm a retired financial advisor, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't, I try not to talk about it too much because I don't want this to turn into a money show. But I had so many clients. At one point, I had over 4,000 clients. And then um, I I sort of sold part of my business and brought it down to 2,000. And then by the time I left again, it was over 2,600. But wow. um, they weren't all financial planning clients, obviously. I, I did... Um, a lot of uh, employer plans. But uh -huh. one thing that I noticed is that so many of my clients that were in their 50s and 60s, I hate to say this, but I would say my my average client only had about $35,000 saved. And it was just, it just broke my heart. And I've always been a saver. When I was 10, my, my mom used to borrow money from me. Uh -huh. and wow. I just... You know, I just think, how are you going to live? How are you going to mm -hmm. live? Because you can't work till you're 100. I mean, I guess right. they do in, they do in uh, you know, Korea. They have the women divers that are diving when they're right. 85. But, right. you know, we're, we're just, most of us aren't that healthy. We just can't. I know. And, and too many are relying on Social Security. And yet, you know, people can't live on that. So, well, they can in other parts well, of the world, but people don't want to move to a third world country. And, you know, this article, it said that a family spends two thirds of their time in the same areas of the house, but they pay for the remaining dead space. Uh -huh. And, you know, I love your idea of moving into a 1400 square foot house. I mean, the fact that your living expenses are only 300 a month. I I mean, that's just, that's just, uh, that's just I can't even my brain won't, I can't wrap my brain around that. I mean, well, see, but it, it was also part of um, a, a real strong choice because we, like I said, we were both self-employed and both sort of tied to sales as far as income. So we knew the cycles. I mean, we'd been through several cycles before in our careers. So we knew that things go up and down and we didn't want to have to ride that roller coaster because, you know, it can be scary when you're, you know, you have no money coming in. And, and so we just made the choice. It's like, we're going to pay, we're going to scale back, not quality, but quantity and, right. and quantity is that square footage. It's like, do you need that much extra space when it comes down to it? Wouldn't you rather hang out with people you love and care about? Go out. I mean, it's not like we don't go out to eat. It's not like we don't travel. It's not like we don't buy things that are important to us, but we buy only things that are important to us, not stuff that, you know, it's not like we, we just stay out of the habit of just buying to buy. And yet I think we all know people who do that. That's like a hobby to some people to go shopping. Are you, are you part of the fire movement, Kathy? Um, no, because actually we're not retired. The fire movement, 
um, movement oh, is oh, more no, retire most, early. Yeah, but most of them aren't retired. Most of the people in the movement aren't. I mean, the podcasters are, yeah, but but a lot of people in that fire movement aren't retired. And you'd be surprised, Kathy, at how many of them are our age. That's true. That's you know. true. But, you know, I... I I, I share a lot of things in common with them because I totally believe in financial independence, which is the FI in FIRE. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I tend to be a little bit more frugal because a lot of the people when I was I was a part of like the Facebook group, the FIRE mm-hmm. Facebook, and a lot of them was talking about so they, they still have that idea of more is better in many cases. Well, it's funny because the ones that I hang out with are just the opposite. Are they? They're, yeah, they're. But I'm. I'm not really. I'm more in the FI area. Um, there's a podcast that I listen to called Choose FI. I love that podcast. Oh, I should look that up. You and they have a big Facebook group. It's like I don't know, thirty thousand people or something like that. But, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, they they don't necessarily talk about the retire part, but mm-hmm. they talk about the. Um, the choosing part. There's also another podcaster that I love and her name is Paula Pant and, and I think you would like her. Her, oh, okay. hers is called afford anything. And she, her whole thing is you can afford anything you want, but not everything, everything. you want. <laughs> and I just, yeah. Love her show. See, that's why, like, my thing is right sizing. I call that afford everything. It's like right sizing. You anything that's really right for you, you should do and you should buy, and you'll find the the means to do it. But it's all the other stuff that we have to let go of, including square footage on our houses. If you don't um, need it, you know. If you don't need now, some people have huge. Uh, I did listen to some of your podcasts about the multi generational living, and I think it's wonderful. I mean, loneliness is a huge problem as people get older. So having people around you is a great way to utilize the space. So say you love your house and it's like however big. Say so rent out rooms or bring in family members or you know there's lots of ways you can still keep that house. So that's right sizing it for you, but it's not eating your lunch or it's not just sitting there dead space. Right. Um, that's just crazy. Right. I do know people. And, and another thing too, is as you get older, it becomes more of a ball and chain. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, definitely. Uh, oh, the yard. I don't know about you, but when we were young, we used to think, oh, acreage and all this, we wanted that. And it's like, now it's like, we have a tiny lot and we're kind of glad we have a tiny lot because the, the maintenance on it is so low that you don't have to take care of it or you don't have to hire a gardener, which becomes another expense that you have to tack on there. Well, you know, part of that HOA that I told you about includes, so we were told it includes landscaping, but what it includes is somebody that mows your lawn and edges mm. and that's it. Mm. So, so we're either going to have to cut the, uh, the, what do you call them? The plants or the hedges. And thank stuff, you. Yeah. Because where I live now, things grow like an inch a day. It's crazy. <laughs> and right. an- another thing, so I don't want this to get into the differences between South Carolina and uh, San Diego, but if you don't, uh, what do you call it? Pressure wash your house every day, your windows literally every day, every year, your, your windows turn green. <gasps> really? <laughs> you oh should come my. visit. You should come visit me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
one of these days. We have that guest room that's only used 6% of the time. Well, there you go. It sounds good. Be careful now because everybody listening to this might be calling <laughs> They'll call me. We'll help you. Come visit. We'll help you out with that 6%. We'll, we'll inc- increase that. But anyway, you know, this was a great article. I'm definitely going to link to it. You know, this is what the, what the uh, writer said. He said, we needed a house maybe half of that size, perhaps only a quarter if we were feeling like a close-knit family. A kitchen, a couple of bedrooms, and a family room would have provided more than enough sta- space for us to live in perfect luxury. Yep. And that kind of sums it up. I mean, most of yes. us have, we have houses where we have spaces in the house that we're not even using. I mean, we're, Les and I are almost there. The only space that we don't use every day is um, is that guest room. But everything mm-hmm. else we we are using. <laughs> well, that's good. That's very good. And I think that's what we should all shoot for. It's oh, wait, like, I take and, it back. We don't use the dining room. Oh. Right. <laughs> Darn, you were doing so well. I was. And I'm like, darn it. I'm not using that dang dar- dining room. <laughs> you know, it is. And, and I remember in my brief real estate career, I can't tell you how many, especially women, would say, I have to have a formal dining room for those big family meals. Right. And then even like this article <laughs> says, if you if you really, it's like the guest room. How many big family meals do you actually have there? Now, if you're one of those people that every Sunday you have the family over and, the, and everybody eats in the dining room, then great. You're utilizing the space. But most of us don't ever. I had our last house. Yes, we had a formal dining room. And yeah, we only used it on very, very special occasions. Did I tell you how many times we used our dining room in San Diego? No. Okay, so we had the house for 10 years. Yeah. And we used it, I think, three times. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Three times. Huh. (laughs) It's just crazy. Yes. Well, we are coming up to the end of this episode. So why don't you tell people how they can head over to your blog and how they can find you maybe on social media? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. My blog again is a smart, S-M-A-R-T, living365.com. And so that that's fairly easy to find. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook page for Smart Living 365. I also have a book on right-sizing, um, a smart living guide to um, retiring. And that's available through Amazon. I have a couple other books, too. Um, I'm pretty easy. My name, again, is Kathy Gottberg. Um, and I'm very easy to find if somebody wants to. I'd love talking about right-sizing, uh, about finding you know a lifestyle that works for you. So um, anybody that wants to get in contact with me, I'd love to chat with them. Perfect. And by the way, Kathy's name is spelled the, one of the normal ways, not like mine. It's K-A-T-H-Y. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Well, Kathy, this has been so much fun. I can't wait to talk to you next week. What are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about second homes, whether people, why buy a second home? And actually, why buy a second home, an RV, or even a boat? Um, I get a lot on my blog. um, I've written about this topic before, and I found an article that kind of addresses it as well and talks about uh, maybe that's another thing that people really ought to consider before they jump in and buy. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. So we can talk about whether I should buy a second house. So we'll talk about that next week. 
Okay, great. Thanks again for coming on the show. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best, and of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. 
And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.